Welcome to the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. My name is Jeff. I'm Alex. As always, thank you for downloading, listening, liking, and commenting on our podcast videos. Please join our community by subscribing to us on the socials. Our handle on all platforms is at N2E Fantasy. We are also available on all major podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy. Alex, what do we have on today's show? On this episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, we are recapping the Super Wildcard Weekend, those six matchups, and we are covering league news as well, like coaching hires, rumors, stuff like that. Uh, we are also going to preview the Divisional Playoff Weekend round and give our predictions. So let's get started with the Wildcard Weekend recap. So we are going to just discuss the Ravens and 49ers were on by as number one seeds of their respective conferences. Jeff. The home team seems to have won quite a bit this week. Five out of the six games, the home team won. Uh, the first one being the Texans, which was a surprise for most people. Not for me. I picked this one correct. I know part of it was a bit in my heart, but uh, I got this one right. They won 45 to 14. What were your takeaways on, on this game, Jeff? So I think first and foremost, I want to mm -hmm. say this week had a ton of blowouts. Like I know some of the scores are going to look closer than they were, but the team's Every game in this, I, I think, had a blowout except for one game, which I believe was the game of the week. I said it was the game of the week going into it. We'll get to that a little bit later. I do want to say that I went six for six in my picks this week. That's actually incorrect. I actually went uh, one and five. So that uh, is not very cool, as they say. Um, mm -hmm. But the Texans looked really good in this matchup. Ricky CJ Stroud showed up big against the Browns defense, which was one of the better defenses in the league. Although if we look at splits, they were a little bit less the best when it came to road home splits. They were much better at home than they were on the road. I think you mentioned that last week. So that kind of came into fruition here. Joe Flacco has been a much better story than a quarterback this year. He is a turnover machine. Um, usually that's not a big deal. As you can see, the Browns went 11 and and six with him being a turnover machine not a big deal a lot of the time but when you play a team like the texans that can put up points at will you want to protect the football something joe flacco really can't do um but alex i'll let you take it from here and i'll let you start raving on the texans here and then they go on next week to a game as well yeah so from the beginning i felt like the texans were going to win this game in the first two drives they almost got defensive turnovers um, as well. So I uh, I thought that they could have had more defensive touchdowns in this game. It really seemed like they had an answer for Miles Garrett and Tunsil. There was a scare where he might have been out of the game, but he was able to come back. He was able to pretty much neutralize uh, Miles Garrett for most of the game, which was pretty crucial. And Nico Collins just kept blowing up. Both teams really threw a lot to their tight ends as well. Like the Browns really heavily relied on their tight ends because uh, Cooper was going through some injury issues with his heel. He still wasn't 100% recovered, and that was pretty clear. But they also, the Texans also neutralized him a little bit as well. So I'm personally thrilled. And uh, I thought that Singletary had some good plays as well. There, there were times where I was just about to, to text Jeff and be like, Singletary sucks. And then he would break off a big play like immediately after I had that thought. So uh, I'm very interested to see how the Texans' run game improves as we go on with this team. But Stroud being a rookie, the head coach being a rookie, Slowick being a rookie play caller, all of that together, and they still upset the Browns is pretty impressive. 
I would agree, but I would also agree that Singletary is your best back, your best option for the playoffs. You do need him at this point. Um, I know that uh, Pierce was your guy going into the year, but they've relegated him to special teams and kick returns, and that's usually not like a good sign for a starting NFL running back because there's not very many starting running backs that return kicks in the NFL. So to me, that tells me where they see him going forward. Um, I do expect them to address the running back position in the offseason because I don't know if Singletary is a long-term solution, but he is someone that is going to um, help you bridge towards the next guy, I think, whether it be via the draft or free agency. I agree. We can move on now to the Dolphins at the Chiefs. We both went Dolphins. Uh, I immediately regretted it, but stuck with the Dolphins. <laughs> and they lost to the Chiefs. So it's 26-7 to 7, the Chiefs. The Dolphins, interestingly enough, because everyone was criticizing whether or not they could play in the cold and whether Tua could play in the cold, they came out with these t-shirts that said, I wish it was co- even colder. Well, <laughs> apparently not, because they could do nothing uh, for most of the game. So that kind of makes them look foolish for, for that kind, those kind of antics. If you're going to do that, you better win and they couldn't do it. Jeff, what did you think about this matchup? So this was one of the coldest, I think the fourth coldest game of all time. So it was played that way. There was definitely some drops, some miscues by both teams. Travis Kelsey had a few drops that you just typically don't see from Kelsey either. So that just tells me how frigid, how cold it was in that moment. Um, I think Mahomes came and outplayed Tua, which isn't a big surprise just given who they both are. Um, Mahomes does show up in big situations. Tua really hasn't had many big situations to be in because I, he missed last year's playoff game. I'm not sure if he played in a pre- playoff game previously, but this could have been his very first playoff game and not very many quarterbacks win their first playoff game. CJ Stroud uh, is the exception this week, and we'll get to another exception here in a minute. But uh, what'd you think of my boy Rasheed Rice here? He had an exceptional day for a rookie wide receiver. With uh, He had 12 targets, got eight of them, 130 yards and a touchdown. He looked like he could have done more. He he seemed to outplay Tyreek Hill, and I really think that the connection keeps going with uh, Patrick Mahomes. And I totally called it. Jeff was completely off with Rishi Rice. I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, no, Jeff, that was a good call from the offseason, a, a nice uh, rookie target, and that sure has uh, panned out at this point. Yeah, he slid in quite well. And we thought it could be a Sky Moore and him, but Sky Moore doesn't appear to be anything right now. Mm-hmm. And that's sad because then you kind of have to admit defeat and move on to the next option. So I think if they add a wide receiver this offseason and they keep Kelsey and Rice, because it does, from all sounding, it sounds like Travis Kelsey is going to play at least one more year. Um, he says he's having fun. There's no reason to quit now. So I, I take that as he's keeping going. And. I just think that uh, overall, that offense could be much better because I do really like Pacheco as well as a, at a running at the running back position. They would need to pair him with another Jarek McKinnon type, but we'll see. I don't even know if it'll be Jarek McKinnon because I feel like his time in the league is coming to an end. He missed this game also, uh, as we just mentioned. I don't. I didn't. Justin Watson was the name that kept coming up a few times on drives, but he's not a guy that's going to be like an every week starter for Kansas City. So all their other pass catching options really disappointed. Kelsey did okay, but 
I firmly believe, and I'll stick to this, I firmly believe that Kelsey's been dealing with his knee injury all year. That was a pretty bad injury before that first game and that made him miss the first game of the season. So hopefully during the offseason, he can get fully healthy and get back to his TE1 season. I think he finished two or three this year. But uh, I digress, and uh, the Dolphins need to go back to the drawing board here, and I don't know if that's a change at quarterback. I, I, I mean, I know Mike McDaniel is thinking about giving up play calling but they're going to have to go back to the drawing board here to be able to compete with the teams that are playoff teams because they went, I think, 1-7, 1-8 this year against playoff teams. So they're going to really have to figure that out going forward. Okay, we can move on to the next matchup here, and that is the Steelers at the Bills. And Bills won 31-17. We both picked the Bills. We both got this right. So, Jeff, this is your, your local area team. I will let you get started on this one. Oh, so this game here got moved to Monday afternoon, which doesn't happen very often for playoff games. Um, the The Bills got over a foot of snow. They called on fans to shovel up the stadium. This is completely normal for upstate New York, western New York. Very, very, very normal. So I know the rest of the country is looking at us like, what the heck, why not move the game? No, this is stuff that we're all used to. This is what we're used to in our late December, early January games. So I know we had a little bit of a warmer winter so far. This is nothing to us. We just need to clear the snow and we can, we'll can we get places. So the issue was the, the mass amount of snow falling just before the game and people traveling in. Like They didn't want people traveling in. Once the snow was cleared, everyone could come in. Everything's good. I don't know if you saw the stadium. The stadium was packed full of snow. Fans were throwing the snow. Like they're just making the best out of a bad situation and like a not fun three hour sitting or standing situation. I saw people plowing through snow with their legs to go to their seats. And it was just like a lot. It's a lot of fun to watch that. Like it was so bad that the parking lot was so bad that they had, they offered a free complimentary shuttle from a local mall to the bills game. So (laughs) we were well aware of, of our contingency options. I don't know if the new stadium is going to make this better or make this worse, but uh, I know for sure there's no roof on it, which is a good thing because I think the roof would cave in after a foot or two feet of snow and sometimes three feet of snow. There was areas in Buffalo that ended up with three feet of snow. So interesting there. Mason Rudolph played okay. He played what I would expect a backup to play. I don't think... um, I don't think he should be out of this league at all. I don't think he should be one of the 32 starters. I think he should be one of the 32 backups, though, in the NFL going forward, because I think Mason Rudolph has done enough to be a clipboard holder for the next 10 years if he wants to be a clipboard holder for the next 10 years. Um, And I don't know what the Steelers do with Kenny Pickett. I don't know what the Steelers do with Mike Tomlin. Uh, There's rumors that Mike Tomlin might just walk away take a year off and go coach again, but they would have to trade him. They would have to find a place for him. Um, It's not going to just be as easy as him walking away and going to find a new job. So there's a lot of uh, strings attached there. Um, Josh Allen put the team on his back. He literally went from, I think the announcer said Clark Kent to Superman. He ran 52 yards for a touchdown. And most quarterbacks, as they mentioned on the broadcast would have went down or slid. And no, Josh Allen just plowed through dudes and, all of a sudden ended up with a 52-yard touchdown. Um, The Steelers running back struggled in this one, but that is to be expected considering it's Mason Rudolph starting. Probably can put an extra guy in the box and just make sure that the running back doesn't beat them. And uh, I'll let you get kicked off with Alex's referee corner that uh, we have dubbed here because you love to comment on what the referees do. 
I thought there was bad calls on both sides, and I don't think that you can really say that referees cost one side or the other a game. Like, yes, the Bills defenders kept holding Steelers wide receivers, but there was a, a Bills fumble recovery that didn't count that should have earlier on in the game. Uh, there's just a lot of messiness from the from the refs, and I really wish that they would fix it, but ultimately I don't think there was enough to have changed the outcome. So it just seems like a sore loser complaining, and this is coming from me who would like to find any reason to tear into the refs. Yeah, and I think Pickens is going to have to mature a lot in order to stick around in this league. He doesn't even seem like a guy that deserves a second contract right now um, because these are things that provide distraction for your team. He's going to get fined for this. Like, he deserves to get fined for this. Um, Just like Mahomes earlier in the season got fined, he deserved to get fined for that too. Like, it was a blatant call that he believes the refs were wrong on and they weren't. So uh, I just feel like... Pickens can't do that. There was a call where Fryermuth fumbled that the Bills clearly recovered, and we didn't. I didn't really see a definitive mm-hmm. area where the ball hit someone that was out of bounds. Should have been Buffalo football right there. But uh, the refs didn't even explain why it was still Pittsburgh's football. They just said the call stands. So it just uh, seemed like uh, both teams could have had more calls, but do we really want to watch the refs throw flags during a playoff game left and right? I think uh, just like in basketball, they let players play more physical in the postseason that I think they let players play more physical within reason in the postseason in the NFL as well. And I know, you know, me very well last year, James Bradbury wore the wrong color gloves. If he would have wore color gloves that match the Jersey of the chiefs, I don't think he gets called for that. And I think Billy probably wins that game. So I think, uh, I think details matter when you get to this point. And I don't think refs are looking for reasons to throw flags at this point. So there, there are a couple things that spark my memory now. So Uh-oh. I agree that the, the Bills should have gotten that fumble recovery. Like that to me was pretty obvious. But mm-hmm. I think from their perspective, it probably was inconclusive, but they should have said that instead of yep. just saying call stands. Um, there was a hit on, on Josh Allen where I felt like uh, Miles Jack already lowered his shoulder before Josh Allen slid and they, they called it roughing. And I don't think it should have been. But on that same play, they also washed it out, I believe, with, a holding call and I don't think I don't necessarily think that that should have been a holding call so it's like bad officiating but at the same time it had no real change on the outcome of the game right and that's I mean just watching the Josh Allen play where he got hit in fast motion like almost always you're going to want to flag that for the quarterback but yeah I just uh I don't know what Miles Jack is expected to do in that situation but like Mm -hmm. obviously you don't want Josh Allen to get injured on a play where he's sliding so it's 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 a fine line right now. Yeah. And we'll get to we'll get to a hit later in the games this week that like made me cringe um that a pass catcher caught the ball and he got hit low and I think he tore his ACL on the play but we'll get to that a little bit later. I I know exactly what you're talking about but <sighs> let's I think the next one on our slate here is the Packers at the Cowboys. You went Cowboys which was what most people went with, I went with Packers. The Packers absolutely humiliated the Cowboys at home. It was the lone home team that lost out of all six of these matchups. Man, uh, I think that Jordan Love completely outdueled eight-year vet Dak Prescott. And I know that Dak played pretty decently for some of this game, but the difference between them was very stark. Uh, another difference to me, Aaron Jones completely dominated from from the backfield in this matchup, and the Cowboys just don't have a run game. Like Pollard is is not a, a premier back. 
He's not a primary back. He's not a starter, in my opinion. I think he's a rotational guy. They have not been able to get a ground game going. That would help Dak Prescott if they could get a ground game going and wear out the clock and eat up time of possession. But the Packers, better coaching. Uh, I think that better quarterback play. I think that their team is more balanced. All of their young guys seem like they're hits, like almost every single one of them. And that blows my mind that they could draft that well or coach them up that well. And I think that the defense did just enough for the Packers. I know the Cowboys seem like they're almost about to come back at the end of the game. But Dan Quinn laid an egg from the defensive side for the Cowboys. And there's no way that Dak was going to climb out of that hole. Jeff, what do you make of, one, the Packers' success, and two, the Cowboys' state right now? So do you think and then I'll answer your question. Do you think if Ezekiel Elliott was still on the team that the game would have looked different? Zeke from two or three years ago, maybe, but Zeke from this year, no. Okay, because I thought he looked pretty good in New England, um, given their quarterback situation. Um, I believe that Dallas will be in the market for a running back. I mean, obviously, I would advise them to draft one. Um, it's cheaper and it can help them keep their Brandon Cooks and their CD Lamb and their Dak Prescott all together type deal. Um, they probably got to move on from. You would have to think that they'd have to move on from Michael Gallup in the offseason. He just isn't performing up to that contract that he signed, which is totally fine. Like, no one has to live up to the contract that they've signed. Um, but. I think it's time to move on from him and use that money in a different location on that team. So it's just something to keep in mind there. Um, I think that Dallas is going to have to go back to the offensive drawing board and figure out a way to be more creative on offense and come up with better game plans. McCarthy wasn't it. Moore wasn't it. Um, Moore looked even worse in LA this year. He really hurt his stock going to the Chargers and not being able to perform with Justin Herbert. So I don't think even Kellen Moore will be even discussion this year for a head coaching job. As you mentioned, Dan Quinn, I don't think he'll be in the market for a head coaching job now because I just I can't lay an egg like this and expect to be a head coach. Um, Love, I think Love is a franchise quarterback or he's well on his way. I need to see year two of it. I know I sent to you privately my list of franchise quarterbacks and I know I have 12 on there right now. And I think Stroud, Love, and there was one other person that I can't think of right now could be added in the next year, depending on how year two goes for them. Because I think anyone can be a one hit wonder, but uh, that you have to put it up like at least two back to back years for me to be able to consider them a franchise quarterback. But I think love is on his way to it right now. Um, Aaron Jones looked great. Turned back the clock. I don't know how much time he's got left on the roster because he is expensive and he's a running back and aging, but uh it's nice to watch him be fully healthy and turn back the clock. We haven't been able to say that a lot this season. And it's interesting that Watson and Reed struggle because I view them as the top two receivers for the Packers and Dobbs stepped up. So it's great to know if one of your rookies, one of your young pass catchers stumbles, two of them stumble, there's more to catch the the weight that, that follows. So someone's going to be heat up out of the four Two, first and second year wide receivers because you can add Wicks in there as well. Um, and then Musgrave, I don't, I he quietly got activated off of IR before the season finale, and uh, now here he is contributing in the postseason. I, I Tucker Craft, I think Tucker Craft grew because he had to be the tight end one when Musgrave was out. Like I feel like the perfect storm of six pass catchers plus Aaron Jones 
for the Packers. Someone's going to catch the ball. I don't know if you saw Aaron, uh, Jordan Love's stats coming out of half, but he had completed to multiple different receivers, like seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there. So like, it's not like it's just one pass catcher making these catches, making the plays. If someone's struggling, you can move on to the next, move on to the next until you find someone that can heat up on the afternoon. That's a big advantage. But obviously, you'll be only able to keep them together for a maximum of three years before you have to start paying individuals. But I'll let you take the question here. What do you have next on the docket for the Cowboys here? I think they have to move on from Mike McCarthy. I don't think he's the answer at head coach. So I think that they're going to have to look at someone else. I'm still waiting for the the news to break that he's fired because I expect it. Uh, I think they're probably stuck with Dak Prescott because he's got um, a $59 million cap, basically a $60 million cap number next year, which it can be restructured to save almost $22 million, which crucial because they're already 16 million over the cap for next year they're gonna have to do a lot of restructures potentially cuts i don't know that i would commit to dak right now i think i would probably give him another season the downside is in dak's contract they are not allowed to use the franchise tag in 2025 on him so you run the risk that you could lose him but if i'm jerry jones i think i would be able to convince him to stay if he has another phenomenal 2024 i wouldn't want to commit to him we'll see what they do uh, I, I don't know if you can really get out of that. I know that they traded for Trey Lance, but I, uh, Trey Lance hasn't played at all this year for the Cowboys, and it hasn't looked good for the 49ers when he played, so I don't know if I would trust that. Uh, obviously, they need to improve the run game. I would bring in Derrick Henry, someone like that from free agency, if that's the route you go, or you look for a physical runner in the draft. It's a lot cheaper. Uh, Dan Quinn's probably gone as well. Uh, maybe they'll retain him and hope that he's better going forward, but... Uh, I think Dallas is going to get stuck in purgatory unless something changes. Yeah, and let's say if they restructure Dak, they have to extend him because that twenty-two million has to go somewhere that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And if there's no years after that, then that's just dead cap next year. So then there's no restructuring it if he's not on the on the uh, roster. So yeah. that's straight dead cap. Um, so I think they have to extend him. I don't think they have an option. Yeah, hopefully they can get the guaranteed uh, money down, but if not, then they're going to be stuck. I mean, they're over a barrel. Yeah. (laughs) When they're over a barrel, it's going to be really hard for them to to be able to move on from from him and and to keep the guarantees down because he's someone that could be like, well, no, I'll just stick with my contract the way it is now then. Yeah, but that, if that's the route that they go, then they need to improve at running back. They need to oh, yeah. improve on other receiving options because I don't think Brandon Cooks is it. I, okay. I mean, okay, but he's getting paid a lot of money. I don't think Gallup finally had a good game this last game, but I don't think he looked good throughout, throughout the season. Like, I would want to shed those contracts if I could. I just don't think that uh, Brandon Cooks, they probably wouldn't be able to shed that much. So they might be stuck with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Michael Gallup brings a cap hit of twenty or of uh thirteen million next season, so I don't think he's worth it. Brandon Cooks, I think, brings a like an eighteen or nineteen million dollar cap hit, if I'm not mistaken. So I agree. They're gonna have to get those down or get them off the books completely. And we'll see what they do there. Uh actually his cap hit is only ten million next year, Brandon Cooks, with a six million dead cap if they cut him. I think ten's worth keeping him. I agree. So maybe you don't get rid of Brandon Cooks. Maybe you just leave him around and draft a rookie receiver. Well, I know you like Tol- Jalen Tolbert, but uh, I don't think he's it either. 
Well, I'm just trying to think. What is Tolbert? Is Tolbert still on the team? Yeah, he's yeah, dude. He, he's only he's only costing them one point four million. I would absolutely roll with him. He's yeah, he's cheaper than Luke Shoemaker's contract. Keep him, but I don't think you can depend on him to beat to pick up snaps just yet. I got to see it first at this point because he's entering year three and I haven't seen it yet. So, I mean that's that's fair, but again, it used to be three years for a wide receiver to break out. And we've been spoiled the last two or three years with a lot of rookies showing up or a lot of second-year guys showing up. But it usually is year three. Yeah, and a lot of times teams are ready to move on from somebody by year three. So <laughs> True, like Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So it's just uh, a different paced environment now. But uh, anything else on this game before we head over to potentially the game of the postseason? Like, I don't know if a game will hit a storyline better than this. Now let's go ahead and move on to the best game of the week, Jeff. And that was the Rams at the Lions. You went Rams, I went Lions, but it was a super, super close game. 24 to 23. Stafford versus Goff. These teams traded and swapped quarterbacks just a couple years ago. Jeff, what did you make of this matchup in this whole storyline? Well, as you had mentioned during the game, we almost got a Carson Wentz sighting too, and he went number two to Goff. Mm-hmm. And they would be on the team that Goff got selected at number one on. So it would have just been another storyline there. Um, Puka Nakua, I don't even know where to rank him for next year because Cup is going to be fully healthy and opposite of him on this offense. So I don't know if they're going to rotate games and who's dominant, but Puka Nakua is the real deal at wide receiver. And another reason why I am down on Jalen Tolbert, as we had just mentioned, because Puka Nakua out of the fifth round produces right off the bat. Um, but, uh, I think these teams are very, 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 very evenly matched. And I know that might surprise you because you thought, I think you thought going into the season that Detroit was much more talented than the Rams, but it does look like the Rams are just as talented as the Lions because they do draft very well. But, uh, as, as, as we saw here, Detroit's offense showed up, but their defense kind of won the game in the second half. Um, would you like to elaborate on that or um, any other points that I might have missed for this game? So, I mean, you said that they're pretty close together, and, and I think now that they are in the offseason, I didn't think the Rams were going to be able to bounce back as quickly. Uh, I didn't. I don't think anyone expected Puka Nakua to almost lead the league in receiving. Um, so that is something that's different. I do think that Detroit is two games better at a minimum, and it should have been three games because they should have won against Dallas in, in the regular season. but. I think that the Rams, they'll be back in the postseason next year. I'm fairly certain of that. And Stafford looked phenomenal, even in this loss. I felt like they always had a chance to come back and win. And the Lions, deep, the Lions offense kind of sputtered in the second half. They only got one, one field goal and no touchdowns in all the second half. But they were able to, on defense, slow down the Rams and shut them down. Uh, I do know that there were a lot of no calls in this game on both sides. but. Earlier on in the game, it kind of uh, it kind of favored the Rams in the first half, but second half very heavily officiating. I felt like favored the Lions, so that was kind of interesting. Um, Jared Goff, when he's not under pressure, might be the best quarterback in football. I know that he, however, when he does face pressure, he has the uh, mobility of a baby giraffe, and uh, uh, he just stumbled over his own foot. So there's always these weird plays that could doom the Lions at any point. Um, 
but lines were more balanced. I don't know why Stafford and Puka, like, I don't know why he's just zeroing in on exclusively Puka, it seems like, but I would like to see some balance with Puka and Cup because I still think Cup is a top receiver in the league. I don't know if it's age catching up with him. I don't know if he's had a bunch of nagging injuries that have slowed him down. I don't know what it is, but I would really like to see some some more balance from Los Angeles, and I think that could have made the difference for them. Yeah, I really agree with that, and I don't. I'm just starting to do ranks and projections for next year, and I have no idea where Kyron Williams is going to end up for me. I don't know if this is a one-year hit wonder, and uh, we'll see if Zach Evans takes over in the back. Like, I don't. They draft another rookie running. Like, I don't know what is going to happen in the backfield there. And I am going to have to start making decisions kind of early because guess what? It's never too early to start ranking and projecting and all that good stuff. But this game was really fun. I watched every single snap of it till the end. I watched every single snap of pretty much every game this year, except for this last game that we went to, that we're going to watch here because I did turn it off with a few minutes left. Once I realized that it was over and I could go to bed before work the next day, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll let you get kicked off with that matchup, Alex here. Because you won again. Yeah, Jeff and I had the the opposite uh, in in our predictions this week. I went five and one. He went one and five. You should have copied me a little bit more, Jeff. If I just went the Chiefs, I would have had the perfect six. And uh, still feeling that regrets. But Eagles at Bucks. I went Bucks. You went Eagles. The Eagles were just a mess, man. It it seemed like the Eagles just wanted to lose this one. They so they did nine to thirty two. Um, it was. A lot of these games were close in the first quarter, close in the first half, and then second half just completely goes off the rails. The Eagles just look bad all the way through. Their their rookie offensive coordinator is terrible. Their their defense, Matt Patricia, should no longer be a coach in the NFL. Like he should be banned for life because he is terrible at calling defensive plays. They they could they couldn't get anything organized. They look sloppy. They look demoralized. They look like they didn't even want to be there. And Tampa, who they had a lot of drops in this matchup, they still played way better and baker would almost have been perfect in this matchup if there wasn't like seven eight drops from his wide receivers and tight ends so he went he went 22 for 36 it could have been 30 for 36 and he had 337 yards three touchdowns zero turnovers i thought rashad white had a decent game but he suffered from a few drops in this matchup kate otten is turning into a a tight end one in fantasy i think he's going to be a tight end one next year and I don't know what to do about Jalen Hurts. I don't know if Jalen Hurts was only good because Shane Steichen was there in Philadelphia or what. And with them being so miserable, I don't know if DeAndre Swift is returning. I don't know what's going to happen with the Eagles at all. Devontae Smith was the only reason that they were had some fight in the first half. He had 148 yards on eight receptions. But it was just brutal watching this game. It was so one-sided and disgusting. Jeff, I don't know how you felt about this matchup. Yeah, I feel it like it's just... I f- I feel like it's just time for it to move off of Sirianni. Um, I feel like the Buccaneer. I feel like the Buccaneers didn't win this matchup as much as the Eagles lost it. Nine points is embarrassing. Um, also giving up two on the safety, which made it a nine-point game instead of a seven-point game, which was a big difference that late in the ball game. Um, Jalen Hurts just didn't look good without. Steichen. I don't know if that's a Steichen thing or if Hertz has been hurt all year or if it's a combination of the two. Something's going on there. Um, Sirianni and McCarthy have to be on the hot seat after their performances this weekend and Monday. But I think that the Buccaneers might be pretty easy for the Lions next week. 
Um, and we'll get to that matchup a little bit later. But I know a lot of people are going to be seeing the effort that the Buccaneers put in here at home and really consider uh, moving them up and on because the Lions struggled with the Rams. And I think the Rams and the I think the Rams might be better than the Eagles right now um, in this current present day. Like, I don't know how many teams that would be worse than the Eagles in the playoffs right now. So they've went two and five since Sirianni beat the Chiefs, which seemed like his Super Bowl this year. And now here we are and they are going home. And uh, yeah, it's really sad because this team had a lot of potential to go a lot further. But as you know, we can never just sit on potential and believe that uh, potential will move you to the Super Bowl. Okay. And we can now move on to just some league news real quick, and then we'll dive into our predictions for the divisional weekend. Uh, let's get started on the, the big news to the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots let Bill Belichick go after 24 years. They are moving on to Gerard Mayo, uh, who was the middle linebacker there and was drafted in 2008, the one good year that they drafted in the first round, I feel like, for the entire time Belichick was there. Uh, he's kind of similar. He's being compared a lot to D'Amico Ryans right now, but I think he's got like an opposite personality. He's a much more serious person. Out of uh, all defensive players who become coordinators and coaches, I think linebackers are typically the ones that, in my opinion, have the best success rate of late. So it could be something that could work, but it's more of like a status quo change. I don't know if it's necessarily going to make the Patriots competitive. So it's questionable that they didn't even interview anybody else or think about switching it up. But Jeff, how do you feel about Belichick being gone? How do you feel about Jared Gerard Mayo taking over? I can't believe it was in Gerard Mayo's contract that he became the next head coach of the Patriots, but uh, it does appear that that is the case. Um, I hope it's not the media making something up or making something more than it actually was. Don't like it. It's the first of the eight current coaching positions that are open, head coaching positions, and it went the first one that's filled. It's kind of filled with a surprise candidate, one that I don't think any other team would look into hiring this this year so interesting that they're like we need to scoop this guy off right now before (laughs) before he interviews or goes elsewhere so must have been written in his contract does look like bill belichick will go on to coach somewhere else this cycle is really important for him because he is up there in age and so he can't really sit out a season and hope for a better coaching job next year he just needs to take the best that he can get this year if he wants to continue coaching and work towards don shula's record which does seem like to be his most important milestone that's left um and it does appear that he's flirting with him having an interview there but there was an announcement after he finished his interview in atlanta so it does appear that there's some smoke around atlanta with bill belichick and we will see where that goes moving forward all right so we can move on to the next surprising coaching move move on this year and that's pete carroll the seahawks move him over to a non-coaching role but from everything that he said in the in the press conference and everything that he said afterwards, it does seem like he wants to continue coaching and does seem that he fought to continue coaching in Seattle, but the owner decided to move in a different direction. So he could continue coaching somewhere else. And the most logical position and everyone keeps tying him to this position is actually Carolina. And in a weird way, it makes a lot of sense, but he doesn't have a lot of time left kind of like Bill Belichick, but uh So he's going to have to take whatever he can get this go around as well, because he's up there in age as well. And Pete Carroll going to Carolina could bring a grown up to the, to the table and really help 
David Tepper learn how to run a football organization with a experienced veteran coach, winning coach like Pete Carroll. Cause I believe they had a winning record this year where they eight and nine, they're pretty close yeah. to 500 regardless. So he's consistent. He consistently wins regardless of what talent that he has around him. You know how I feel about Geno Smith. I feel like he's a bottom 10 quarterback in the league. And Pete Carroll was able to pull out two decent seasons with Geno Smith after Russell Wilson. And he was able to move on from Russell Wilson at the right time. So I do believe that he's a really good football mind still. What are your thoughts on uh, Pete Carroll being moved on by the Seahawks? I'm not sure that he's should be considered a good football mind uh, right now. I think he's more of a, uh... He gets everyone pepped up. He's very encouraging. He's very positive. And I think that if you have a good team, but just the environment has been so dreadful and downcast, I think he's the guy that should come in and get everyone energized again. He usually can identify really good coordinators. And though he usually brings in those guys as good football minds, in my opinion. The other issues with him is he's a little bit too loyal. I know you don't like Gino, but he's stuck with Gino. Um, he always seems to think that whatever team he has is just one tweak away from being a Super Bowl contender. So kind of uh, a little hubris there. He's never really had a, a top offensive line. I think maybe well, maybe once, but it's always kind of been a little bit of a mess. You guys, uh, Carolina, have a really bad offensive line, so I'm concerned that if he gets hired, that would never get fixed. So that would be one concern. Other than that, I, I think he really needs to go to a team that's already put together but just hasn't been able to get over the hump same thing with belichick i think though i think belichick needs to go somewhere that needs discipline pete needs to go somewhere where they need um little change in tune we'll see we will see and he hasn't interviewed anywhere that we know of yet but as you had mentioned with culture change and stuff like that with Pete carroll carolina really does need that at this exact moment and even if it's like a two-year three-year plan to like get them on the right track let's do it and groom the next head coach as well I really think you guys need a Canales or Callahan from the Bengals. If you can swing Ben Johnson, uh, go for it. But I think that's going to be difficult. But you guys definitely need more of an offensive mind, in my opinion. What about Slowick? Uh, I think he should stay in season <laughs> in Houston. I think he should get a little seasoning under him. Um, I don't think he should go anywhere. I don't like that he's coaching himself into head coaching conversations because he's overperforming, and I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Yeah, I think it's a, it would be a mistake to hire him because he hasn't had to come up with a second pitch yet when people figure out what he's doing. And I think that's really important for someone to become a head coach is they need to be able to make adjustments on the fly. And right now he's got an unknown in CJ Stroud and he's hitting the league by storm. And we need to see when defenses make adjustments to Stroud what, what he exactly does. And I think that would define whether or not he's ready for a head coaching position or not. Yeah, and I think that's... Uh, hmm some other head coaching hot seats out there. So I think Mike McCarthy and also Sirianni, those are the two big ones right now that even though they made the playoffs, they might be gone. Uh, or do you think I anyone think that's else it actually too? Yeah. Well, so your, your boy, Mike McDaniels, the uh, news blurb just came out that he might be considering stepping down from play call duties. So that would be interesting. Yeah, which is fine. He needs to, they need to throw an extra wrinkle into this offense now, but obviously it would be off of his offensive tree. So they would kind of keep some of the same schemes and they probably throw a few new wrinkles into it as well. So, but I do like him as a regular season coach. Like you don't get to the playoffs and, and in conversation for the number two seed in the AFC very lightly. I, I mean, he's great. I think so far two for two hits so far. 
I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, at what point would you start get start get start getting frustrated if you're the owner of Miami? Well, this was Tua's first playoff game, as we had mentioned, and a lot of quarterbacks don't win their very first playoff game. If you remember last year, he had Skylar Thompson put up 30 points on the Bills in a playoff game. So I just think that where the Bills are this year and versus last year, I think that's a big difference. But I also think that that just shows how good of a coach that he is. And I can't if you're an owner. I don't think you could expect Tomlin to do that much better with, with Rudolph than he did yesterday. And I don't think you can expect McDaniel to do better than he did with Skylar Thompson last year than he did. So I think it was a disappointment, but it was also to his first playoff appearance as well. I think they'll be back, but uh, maybe it's time to move on from Tua as well. Like maybe Tua is just not it for a cold weather, cold weather quarterback. And maybe if this game was in Miami and they had the two seed, this would be been a different uh answer in an, in an environment yeah i just think man, it's it's really weird to me that miami's in the same division with three really really cold weather teams like the jets pats buffalo like uh that doesn't make sense to me and if you play those teams every year you better be able to play in the cold because it's going to happen so it doesn't I make sense like that they, they would realign teams differently if they could do it all over from scratch now but uh obviously that may come NFC, afc what, if they ever move a team permanently over to london or to europe or to mexico i'm sure they will i'm sure they will because they'll have to but honestly honestly i would love to see them get rid of divisions but i don't think they'll ever do that uh i think just going to a conference would be an interesting way to kind of spice things up and move things on but you would lose some rivals that are there but i don't think outside of pittsburgh and baltimore that i can think of a ton of rivals that i go out of my way to see that as a rival game maybe dallas and philly but i don't go out of my way to see a lot of rival games as what i'm saying well i mean philly and new york could they could still be in the same division so yeah. but uh outside of that i mean it looks like the saints are canon their offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael. Carmichael. So, wow. Yep. And they've been rumored for weeks now that they're interested in bringing in Gruden in some capacity. And then there's the Joe Brady connection as well, because Joe's not That's the permanent not OC with the Bills right now. He's the interim OC. So those are two guys that they could be interested in to uh, revive their, their offense. Yeah, they could be interested in Joe Brady all they want, but Joe Brady's going to be offered this permanent OC job in Buffalo. Because he has, it's been night and day since he's taken over from mm -hmm. Ken Dorsey. And if you're Joe Brady, do I want to coach Derek Carr or do I want to coach Josh Allen? And I feel like Josh Allen is his path to a head coaching gig, whereas Derek Carr might tank that. So I just feel like Joe Brady, being smart, would stick with the better of the two quarterbacks and really coach him up because he's actually shown Josh Allen as an improvement since he's taken over. So he could take some credit for what Dorsey screwed up and he fixed. So yeah, I agree. I, I just think it's going to be Gruden. weird when John Gruden comes in as an OC. I think it's a great move, though, because I think he has a great connection and great relationship with Derek Carr. I just mm -hmm. think that makes them maybe the favorites going into next year because I just feel like Derek Carr getting a little more comfortable. I don't know if you looked at Derek Carr's stats from this year, but his stats were pretty darn good. And if he can improve on that and gain some chemistry on that, and he missed Michael Thomas all of the year, so he didn't really have a number two opposite Chris Olave like one that I really liked or one that I liked consistently, like Raheed Shahid's your once or twice a game down the field guy. A.T. Perry's a young guy, but he actually showed some stuff later in the season. So he might be someone that takes over that number two next year. But I really like Rudin to the 
to the Saints. Like that makes so much sense to me. I think he deserves another opportunity. Do I like his emails that he wrote that once upon a time? Nope. But do I think other people have done worse and gotten away with it? Yep. And uh, I think this can make that lawsuit with the NFL go away as well. Because it's really hard to work for the NFL and sue them at the same time. Yeah. Okay. We have a couple more items here before we move on to the divisional playoff weekend. But Jason Kelsey, brother of Travis Kelsey, basically a Hall of Fame center, retired after the Eagles lost. Um, I wish that he had another Super Bowl run in him, but I'm glad that uh, he, he can determine his own time and not wait to be taken out in a stretcher, you know, because that's not the way anyone wants to go out. So good for him. And I think he's made a, a decent amount of money. And I think that uh, he's a shoe in for Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's awesome. And uh, glad that he got to walk away. And it seems like the right time to walk away for him. This team does not seem to be heading in a good direction right now. So this is, it's time. And I think getting rid of him and just having hurts, I think that hurts the tush push. Like, I mm-hmm. think, uh, I think there's, uh, I think that that, play might phase itself out just because of the players leaving instead of the NFL having to outlaw it. And I don't think the NFL should outlaw it at this point because there's only one team that protects it. It's not like every team can do it on every play. Um, Josh Allen has his version of it. I don't know if you saw the other day, but he got uh, turned sideways and like basically crowd surfed to a first down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm glad that he retired. Looks like Travis will play one more year at least. And uh, we'll go from there. Yep. I agree on the standpoint that I think the tush push is going to be gone. The brotherly shove will be no more. It'll be retired just because Kelsey is the only one who could really do it from the center standpoint. So, yep. But we have one last item here, and that is the premier quarterback and wide receiver as far as media is concerned. Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. have officially declared for the draft. Dynasty owners are super thrilled. Jeff, are you excited about these two players in in Dynasty and then especially like Superflex, I would imagine as well? So I have a theory that college is to go get a career and make money. And I know sometimes college pays people to stay now, but these guys aren't going to stay there four years. They're going to do what college was meant to do to get them a career. And they both should be top five picks and their stock's not going to go up from a top five pick. So you don't really gain much by staying in college an extra year. You could have, you have a lot more chance of losing something there. And we'll have some stories about Caleb Williams coming up soon, because there's a rumor out there that he wants the bears to trade the first overall pick. But, uh, and I know you remain skeptical that they'll do that because of Caleb, but uh, I think that they draft Caleb Williams on draft day in April and uh, they ship off Justin Fields for either a second or a third round pick, or maybe a combination of picks. And, uh, I threw out facetiously the other day, maybe the Dolphins could look into him as they're going to have to pay Tua very shortly. And uh, maybe Justin Fields would be an upgrade on arm strength and size there. But uh, I, I, I think it would be a downgrade in accuracy too, and you wouldn't be able to run the offense that you do currently as as constituted present day. But he does add an extra threat to that field, and he's fast, and they love that they're fast players. So. All right. Any other declarations that were big or were those the two big ones? Those are the two big ones. Um, I think it's funny, though, that you're skeptical of Marvin Harrison because everyone says he's the best one, the best wide receiver in this class. But you're not skeptical of Caleb Williams as the best quarterback in this class. Because I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm I'm 100 percent believer in Marvin Harrison, Jr. And I'm very skeptical in Caleb Williams. I think Marvin Harrison will be good, but the way that they're touting him is elite. 
and I don't know very many wide receivers that have come out that have been that we've been told are going to be elite and they've actually performed at the level that we thought they were going to. So I think that's a little scary. I think Chase is an exception to the rule because he did get to go play with Joe Burrow right out of the gate. And I do know Joe Burrow lobbied for him in that draft. But even Justin Jefferson was a depreciated asset when he got picked by the Vikings with the the, the Diggs pick, basically, that they gave up or that they got in return for Diggs. Um, but there was a lot of teams that that passed him over. Jalen Reger went before him. So it's not like this was an exact science of figuring out Justin Jefferson is, and he's probably the best receiver in the NFL. Like Tyreek scores the most fantasy points, but I think Justin Jefferson might be the best actual receiver in the NFL. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Puka Nakua is clearly the best wide receiver in the league. I mean, Let's Nico Collins is up there too, but I do think that uh, Justin Jefferson is, he's got the size, the ability, and he's done things that people haven't done in their first four years. And are we going to say Marvin Harrison's going to do what Justin Jefferson did? I think that's a big stretch to get there. Yeah, they're a completely different style wide receiver too, because Marvin Harrison's an X and Jefferson's a slot. So <clears throat> it's going to be interesting. Yep, absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, we can, we can move on to our divisional playoff weekend coming up this week so <clears throat> we have the texans at ravens we have the packers at 49ers buccaneers at lions chiefs at bills in order of when their matchup's supposed to be barring you know crazy weather happening and stuff getting moved again but we can start with the first one the texans at the ravens and jeff since you're impartial on this one who are you taking in this matchup i believe the ravens will win this matchup they're coming off of two and a half weeks of rest here so they should have the clear advantage as far as physicality goes. They're also probably going to have Mark Andrews back for this as well, which is a big uplift, uh, especially because it gets uh, Lamar back his favorite target. And I think that does give uh, Zay Flowers a little bit of a bump as well, because that'll take some of the pressure and attention off of Zay Flowers. Um, I do, will take the Ravens in this matchup. I don't think it'll be particularly close. But I think there's a feather to stick to stick right in uh, CJ Stroud's cap that he did get a playoff win in his rookie year, and that's something to build on in year two. But uh, I don't believe they have the talent that the Ravens do. What are your thoughts there? Well, that's curious because you've harped to me the last two weeks, saying that resting starters, or is it playing in meaningless games or resting starters is bad? Which one? Which one's worse? So I think the Lions should have took a bye week when they could have because they were playing the next week. And I think the Ravens should have started their starters because they had an extra bye week in between there. And they, they run the risk of being rusty because it's very infrequent that a team goes two weeks without playing in the regular season. And I don't think it ever happens. So I just think that it's important to keep the reps out there. Um, the one thing I will say, though, is Lamar does get that time to get recovered and healed because he does take hits throughout the year and he cannot be a hundred percent, but he's going to be closer to it going into this game. I think the fact that Lamar's not a pure passer, this will help them a little bit more than the average team. Cause he will be able to run the football with no restrictions on Saturday. So you don't think Lamar is going to be rusty after sitting for two weeks. He he'll be rusty for the first quarter but he'll score a rushing touchdown in that first quarter and it won't matter so i think there's some key factors to pinpoint on this game so i think this game's going to come down to lamar lamar jackson's rust and the texans ability to pass rush him as well as contain him on qb runs and if they're able to do that they'll win if lamar is rusty there's a good chance the texans could pull off an upset 
on the other side, I agree that the Ravens are much more talented and they're playing at home. So it's it's really tough because the Texans they didn't rest starters. They they're playing hot now. They're they're heating up. Baltimore is better on paper, but they've rested a bunch of starters over, over the last two weeks. So it's Who's really your number difficult. two wide receiver. Our number two, I'm sure it's Dalton Schultz. <laughs> He's a tight end. Who's your number two wide receiver? Uh, Previn Jordan. <laughs> He's also tight a tight end. end. That's the problem. <laughs> so if you if you had Tank Dell in this game, mm-hmm. I would give it a little closer to the Texans because I think he just adds an additional element to this offense. But to have Nico Collins and to stop the run, it's not as hard as we would like it to be for the Ravens. Yeah, but outside of Flowers, I don't really fear OBJ. I don't really fear Bateman. Uh, I think at this point, an injured Mark Andrews is on par with an injured Schultz. So I think it's very close. Uh, oh, I'm having. I a think hard the Ravens likely have better passing options. I don't know. I would really have liked to see Tank Dell versus Flowers because some of yeah. their play style is very similar, and I, I would really like to see that. But uh, I just think it adds a different element that you're missing. I, I'm going to have to pick the Ravens. I really wanted to find a way to pick the Texans, but uh, <laughs> I just I didn't. I honestly preseason I didn't expect them to make it this far, so it's already a win in my book. So we don't need this. And besides, the NFL logo had the Super Bowl logo had purple in it, and the Ravens are the only purple team left. So it can't be the Texans. All right. So we can move on to the Packers at the 49ers. And the 49ers coming off of two weeks of rest as well. But I do believe this will be that one scenario where CMC is going to come out healthy in this game, where if he played two weeks ago, that may not have been the case because he was actually nursing an injury then. So I think that two weeks off really help him. I'm not sure what that's going to do for Brock Purdy, but having a well-rested, able-to-run CMC is going to go a long way in this matchup. I think the Packers are still too young to go to Candlestick. I know it's not called Candlestick anymore, but and win the, the matchup, but go to San Francisco and win the matchup. I think the, the 49ers win this matchup pretty easily as well. Mm. I almost want to go for the upset on this one. I think it's possible, but... Uh, I'm going to go 49ers in this one as well. You might hit the under for the betting because right now it's showing nine and a half. But as far as actual outright pick them, I, I have to go 49ers. Yeah, I just think the Packers are too young and I just don't I don't see it. I didn't see it last week either. So it's very possible. But I think the 49ers are the most talented team left in this postseason. And I feel like that's going to be a hard match for the young Packers. All right. I All agree right. on that one. Moving on to the Buccaneers at the Lions. This is one of your sentimental favorites, so I'll let you take it first, Alex. So, I don't know about sentimental favorites, but I think that this is the this is the team that the Lions can probably beat easiest of all the playoff teams. And I, I like the Buccaneers to an extent, but I think the Lions are, are going to win this game. I think that they're the better team all around. They're playing at home. I think that it's going to be hard for Tampa to get pressure on Goff, and that's really the only thing that can slow down the Lions is if they, if Goff feels some pressure. So I, I got Detroit in this one, and I think that they will be going on to the NFC Championship. Yeah, me too, and uh, I'll, I'll take the Lions in this matchup for all the reasons that you said. I just feel like playing in Detroit right now, there's just a ton of electricity in that city. This will be the last game in Detroit most likely. So unless they play the Packers, their their rival 
in Detroit and the, for the conference championship. But uh, yeah, I think this might be the Lions' last win of the season, but uh, a good win at that. Okay, we have one final matchup here, and that's Kansas City at Buffalo. Jeff, do, does your local Buffalo Bills defeat the reigning Super Bowl champions? So I think the Bills do win this matchup, and I think the reason for them winning this matchup will be the offense. And I think their offense is just clicking on a different cylinder than the Chiefs are right now. And I think their defenses are very comparable overall. So I believe that the Bills will win this just because their offense is performing at a much higher level at this exact moment in the season. Yeah, I think both defenses are very good, and you are 100% correct here that the Bills' offense is just much better. The last five, six weeks, they've been on fire. Uh, they're playing at home. I just have a hard time seeing how they would lose this game. I know it's the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, and it's hard to count them out, but the Bills just feel so much better. And if I was Kansas City, I'd be shaking in my boots just the way Josh Allen has played the last two weeks. So I would love to see... Buffalo or Houston advance from the AFC and the, the Lions advance from the NFC so we could guarantee that a new team has, that has never won a Super Bowl would win. That's what I want. So hopefully that uh, happens here. But uh, if the Bills and the Texans win, though, the AFC championship game goes through Orchard Park. So I know Buffalo would be screaming for that matchup, and that might be a matchup that I grab a ticket to because how many AFC championships go through town? Oh, I might have to find a way to fly up there. Live podcast, everybody. <laughs> there you go. Could you imagine? All right. Well. Uh, I could. But you're going Buffalo, too? Yeah, I'm going Buffalo. Did we line we up on all of them? All... Oh, man. I copied you just like you asked me to. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, there's not going to be any differences uh, next week. <laughs> nope. Uh, wh- wh- which one of these do you think most likely has a chance for an upset? Packers. Yeah. Potentially yep. Chiefs, too. Chiefs and Packers, because you can't count Mahomes out, even though we want to. You don't think the Texans pull it off against the Ravens? You don't think they have a chance? They're, prob- they're probably third, and the Buccaneers are fourth. I think that's a good order. Well, Jeff and I are locked in uh, for next week. We are very, very, very similar. But as we get closer to, to the big dance, I think that it's going to be more and more obvious who's going to win each week. So that's going to happen. But I can't would wait. You say, would you say we're in sync? We are in sync. And, and on it's time to note, say bye, bye, bye. Damn it, you beat me to it. You beat me to it, yes. Great minds think alike. That's going to be our, our exit music from now on. It's just going to be bye, bye, bye. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for us. So that does it for this episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you all for downloading or listening to this episode. And please don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us a comment and share the show. Every little bit helps. You can find us on all podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy and with our handle at N2E Fantasy on all social media platforms. Please join our community and give us a follow. Until next time, take care of yourselves. And remember, it's truly never too early for fantasy football. Thank you again. Everybody.